Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good. Had to like destroy the destroy the microphone stand. Get in trouble later. Um, I wanted to start with a question for everyone this morning. Um, what do you do to feel prepared for an event? So if people um are on Zoom, we might just if you want to flag your hand and we'll um one in the room. What do you do to feel prepared? What helps you? You wash your hair. <laughs> Great. That's it's nice to be clean. It's important to be clean. Does anyone make a plan? Like, what if you're having people over for dinner? What What do you do? You get a list. That happens a lot in our house because we forget things if they're not on the list. Anything else? You plan a menu. Yep. And then you put those things on the list so that you make sure that you buy them. Yep. All right, have a think, keep thinking about that. How do you feel prepared? How do you feel prepared? We all have ways um, that we've been preparing for Christmas. Um, perhaps you've put up a tree in your house or some decorations. Um, maybe you have been planning an event, a dinner um, with friends or with neighbors or with family. Um, or maybe you've prepared for this season by buying some gifts. Perhaps you've been preparing to go on holiday um, and hopefully that's still possible for you, if that's the case. Um, and maybe even this week you are planning and shopping um, for a special feast for Christmas Day or a special meal. Over these last um, four weeks of our gathered services here at Northern, um, whether you're joining us um, here in person, it's so nice to see um, so many of you here today. Um, but or via Zoom, so many, it's nice to see so many people on Zoom today as well. Um, or if you listen to the podcast regularly, we've been in this season of Advent, a season that's a reminder to us of the great gift of Jesus coming into the world. We've been preparing our hearts to receive afresh the good news of great joy that is for all the people. A saviour was born into the world. And in this season, it's also a time that we're reminded to reflect and prepare our hearts afresh for a time when Jesus will come back. How are we preparing for that? What do you do to feel prepared? Being prepared is important because it helps us feel less anxious, less stressed. If you've got a list and you've planned your menu and you've washed your hair, then you're halfway there, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, it helps us also to complete tasks that we have in, in mind and to achieve the things that we really want to. So what is it that we want to achieve? What does success look like when it comes to Christmas? It's not the perfect dinner or buying the perfect gift. I'd like to suggest to you this morning that success at Christmas for us is about receiving the perfect gift given to us by an amazing God. Today we um, come to this story in John chapter 3 um, that Leah read for us. Thank you, Leah. So, so beautifully read. So what is happening here in this story? Well, Jesus has been in Jerusalem at the start of his ministry and he's been teaching and he's been healing, um, performing signs, both miraculous and not, that point to this um, concept that he's the Messiah He's this anointed one that the prophets have talked about. He's coming into the world and he's 
he's been kind of pointing to that. He would be the one who would come to restore this relationship between the people and God. And there's a Pharisee who has kind of seen and heard what Jesus has been um, doing and talking about. and He wants to find out a little bit more about this Jesus character. And so he comes to see Jesus after dark. The only reason that you do things after dark, particularly at this point in time in the um, world's history, is that you're looking to be a little bit covert. You're doing something that you don't want everyone to see you doing. Um, Nicodemus perhaps isn't sure about Jesus. He wants to ask some questions, maybe without some other people there, maybe without some of the other Pharisees listening to what he's asking. So he comes to Jesus with great respect. He calls him rabbi. Now, Jesus is a young carpenter. He's from Nazareth. He's not anything special. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's possibly a member of the Sanhedrin, like the leadership group. He's a leader. He's reputable. He's a good guy. And he respectfully comes to Jesus, this nobody, and says, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you are the one who comes from God. The signs that you perform are evidence that God is with you. This is a really humble way for Nicodemus to begin this conversation. He doesn't assert his power and authority, but comes to this younger man and says, I see that God has sent you. I see that God is with you. But he doesn't then get to ask Jesus a question. Jesus responds and he says, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. And this leads to a natural enough question from Nicodemus. What in the world do you mean by saying born again? Surely you don't actually mean being born by my mother again. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth. To see the kingdom of God, you have to be born both of water and of the spirit. Humans reproduce human life, but the spirit produces spiritual life. So if you want to see the kingdom of God, you shouldn't be surprised that you need to be born again. You need to be born in the spirit. Being born in the the spirit is a mysterious thing. It's like the wind. You can't actually see it happening, but you can see the effects that it's occurred. This response um, puzzles Nicodemus. And he asks Jesus, how is this possible? Jesus is a little bit challenging in his response. He says to him, Nicodemus, you are a respected Jewish teacher. And yet you don't understand these things. I'm telling you the truth. We've come to you and tell you what we know and what we've seen, but you don't believe this. And if you don't believe me when I talk about things that happen here on earth, how would you possibly believe me when I talk about things that are of heaven? No one has ever gone into heaven and returned to talk about it. But Jesus says, the son of man, talking about himself, has come down from heaven. And just in the same way that Moses lifted up this bronze snake in X, in, we find it in Numbers 21, if you want to read that story, um, in the desert and put it on a pole in the wilderness so that the people could be saved. In the same way, so the son of man will be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And that's kind of the end of the encounter that Jesus has with Nicodemus. And we assume that Nicodemus goes home. 
not sure if he got the information that he wanted, didn't actually get to ask any initial question of Jesus. So not quite sure that he got his questions answered, actually. But what is this story doing here in John's gospel? Why is it written down for us? And why are we talking about it at Christmas time? The answer to those questions, I think, comes for us in, um, for me, in the, the next two verses. So verse 16 and 17, that will go on the screen for us. Thanks so much, Stephen. It goes like this. John, John kind of has told this story and then he says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It sounds to me like John takes these words from Jesus in verse 15 and then he clarifies them for the people that would then be reading this. This is why this story is here. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only and unique and precious son. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. As we focus on this Advent theme of love this morning, what does love at Christmas look like? First, I think that love looks like sacrifice. God gave. Giving is costly. Jesus coming into the world costs something. Now, at Easter time, we kind of reflect on Jesus' death on the cross and that it costs Jesus his life. And it causes great pain in the Trinity. But Jesus coming to earth, humbling himself to be human, is also costly. God chooses to be limited, to submit to the life as one who is created rather than the creator. He does that not just to die for us. He does that first to be with us, to be one of us. We have that um, verse that we read at Christmas time, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Submitting to being human, and not just human, but coming as a helpless baby born into a family that lived in poverty, a family that would become refugees for a period of time. This is a sacrifice for God the Son. But it's a sacrifice that he willingly makes. And for God the Father, giving the Son is a big deal. How many of us would give our children for something? We wouldn't. We're the opposite. We would do anything for our children who are precious to us. How big is this love then that God would give what is most precious to him? Why would God the Father and God the Son do this? God makes these sacrifices to be with us, to be one of us, to connect to us. God takes this step to bridge the gap that exists between people and God. God reaches out to us. That's what we remember at Christmas time. God is a God who makes the first step. Always. And he does so at great cost. And this brings us to the second thing about um, love that we see here in this verse is that love is not conditional. Jesus coming into the world demonstrates that God so loved the world. Now the world, when John uses that term, the world, he does mean the whole world. 
he is being inclusive of everyone. It's a kind of everyone. He did this for everyone. But more specifically, John uses that phrase to talk about people who are of the world, people who don't have a relationship with God, people who don't recognise God is God. God's love looks like he sends his precious son for the sake of those who are farthest from him. God's love isn't reserved for those that worship him or recognise him. His love means that gift of life with God is available to everyone. But God is not forceful. While he makes that gift available, only those who choose to spend their life with God receive that gift and open it and use it. David spoke to us last week about gifts that we might like to open and make use of. And then um, that brings us to the last thing that I wanted to draw out for us this morning. That love is about restoration. In this verse, um, John says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, when John uses that word, the world, that phrase, the world, he means specifically people who are far from God. The reason that Jesus is born is not to bring judgment, but to restore relationship. Love is always looking to heal, to restore, to build, to grow, to reach out, to reconcile. Christmas is a season where we're reminded that we too are called to this kind of love. That demonstrating this love shows we are born of the Spirit. This is the evidence that we are born of the Spirit that the effects of this love is part of how God is at work saving or restoring the world. So in these last few days, as we prepare for Christmas um, events and celebrations, however they look for us, I want to remind us of one of the most important things about Christmas is that we receive afresh this gift of love that we find in Jesus. That we are amazed again at the length and the depth of love that God has for us, that we're encouraged to receive that love that has the power to heal and restore relationship. Receiving is difficult. I don't know if you've found that, but sometimes receiving is actually more difficult than giving. It's particularly difficult when you feel like you don't deserve it or that that gift is too extravagant. You know, someone's given you something and you say, oh, it's too much. You can't spend that much money or you can't give that to me. It's too, it's too much. The gift of Jesus to us is the most extravagant gift that you will ever receive. We don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. And we can't do anything to deserve it. But God offers it to us in the hopes that you accept this love, that you live in this love and that you will share and demonstrate this kind of love. So this morning, I want to spend some time, I want us to have some time to spend with God receiving. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, because it's kind of, how do you do that? Um, I want you to think about what you'd say to someone who gives you a beautifully crafted and perfectly chosen gift that overwhelms you. You thank them. You tell them that you're overwhelmed by it. You tell them what you love about it. 
you take delight in it. So this morning, take some time. Tell God. Share with him your awe and amazement. Or even that you'd forgotten for a period of time how beautiful this gift is. Maybe we have, that happens, we get caught up in things. Tell God what you love about your life with him. Or if you're not loving your life with him at the moment, tell him all the things that you miss about what what your time with him used to look like. Tell him what you love about Jesus. Tell him what you're grateful for. So we're going to take some time to do that now. Um, now there's going to be some music playing and um, some kind of response options for you on the screen there um, just to keep your juices flowing. You can um, fill out response cards or, um, as we said, as Alethea said earlier, you can um, select the chat function if you're on Zoom and um, chat to Northern Community or you can send us an email to myresponse at nccc.org.au. Um, just take some time and then um, I'll come back and close in prayer.